Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hagan. I'm working at- an Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on the Chuck and Julie Show. Hello, everyone. It's Hump Wednesday. Chuck Bonneville, Julie Aiden, the Chuck and Julie Grassroots Show, Truth Straight Up. That's right. The show brought to you by Mountain West Wellness, Advanced Acupuncture and Chinese Medicine. Coming up momentarily, we're going to have Lori Sane with us, a former state lawmaker, former candidate for CD8 Republican, true grassroots conservative, um, and now a Weld County commissioner. And she, as I've been teasing it, and, and I just, she just texted me, somehow we miscommunicated on the Zoom link. So Thomas, if she doesn't come up here pretty quick, just go ahead and give her a call. Um, and we'll talk about some little shenanigans once again as putting it nicely going on in Weld County. Um, what they're doing, some of the commissioners are taking a page out of the corrupt Democrat playbook and trying to kind of do a bait and switch, or do a bait and switch on um, taxpayers, right? And she's got the receipts on that. Then the final closing arguments are um, scheduled, are going on actually as we speak in Denver District Court before Judge Sarah Wallace um, on the uh, attempt to try to keep Trump off the ballot in Colorado. And we'll get a live report um, from uh, our, our correspondent. I was teasing our correspondent, our, there is a, our corporate correspondent. Of correspondents throughout the state and the country. That's as right. Well as, international division. as well as international. We sometimes do have them internationally. Um, and she will be joining us in at 3.30. But I see we have Lori now. Oh, we had her. Lori, are you there? Can you hear us? And can you, are you there? Oh, I saw her. Yes. Uh, yes, here I am. I'm going to okay, try perfect. to Here I am. Perfect. Sorry for a little bit of confusion. I thought I sent you the link earlier, uh, but I've had so many emails. That. So, Lori, I was, you know, I introduced Is you. a picture of Lori or are we just going by sound? Just, um, just... I'm trying to fix my camera right now. <laughs> okay. If not, if not, the phone is better. So, so don't worry about oh, that. No. We, we Sometimes... love seeing people. So, well, that's true, but so, sometimes people are not camera ready. I know that happens to me on occasion. But anyway, Lori, let me jump in. So, I because I think this there is something. Is. There you go. People need to know about. I was saying. So, some of the Weld County commissioners sort of took the the corrupt Democrat. Uh, lawmakers playbook and said, let's try to pull a fast one on taxpayers, which fortunately Colorado taxpayers said no. But in Weld County, they're kind of trying to do the same thing as I understand it. Why don't you explain what's going on and then how you and some others were able to put a stop to it? Okay. Well, first of all, my voice might go. Okay. (laughs) We might be playing playing Mad Libs where I croak out something and you finish the sentence like, People who say they're going to do one thing and then and do, do another. another. Okay. <laughs> Fill in the blank there, Julie. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, anyway, so we've got um, uh, we, we've got quite a uh, interesting uh, situation in Weld County that I'm I'm struggling the process. I'll, I'll just be honest because uh, we just saw the defeat of Prop HH, and yet I witnessed this firsthand in this meeting on October 16th, where we had three county commissioners um, and basically instruct what's called our Weld County Council, 
that is supposed to be our watchdog group for Weld County. Um, they are supposed to ask for audits. Um, they also are in charge of salary increases. It's actually posited as a kind of a watchdog group on the Weldon County uh, government page. Um, <clears throat> so it's supposed to be a separate entity as a separate safety mechanism for taxpayers. And one of those safety mechanisms is, and by the way, we've had Tabor before Tabor. Right. County charter limits our growth to 5%. And <clears throat> lobbying a question back at you, in your words, why might it be important that we limit the growth of government at all? Well, because <laughs> they sooner or later they run out of stuff to pay for. I mean, and that's the big thing. I mean, we see in the legislature now that even the Republicans are like, oh, we need to have more money. I mean, sooner or later we run out of money and, and families have to rise. I mean, we're going to be talking about inflation later. And, and it seems to me, and is that what happened in Well County? They're like, well, we just, we just need more money. So we're going to try to trick the taxpayers into giving it to us. I mean, is that basically what well, happened? Let me was ask trying you a to question. happen. How many are on the Weld County County Commissioners? Five. Five. So somehow counties have three, others have five. And is there a, a, a triumvirate on the council that, that is kind of driving things? Because obviously you're not with them. <laughs> That's a good thing, I think, though. <laughs> Well, I, I sensed the change uh, when we had a new commissioner come on board this January, a, a big shift in our philosophy, which is to be uh, not only customer friendly, but business friendly. But let me get back to that question of why is limiting government good? Like, why why is Tabor good? I mean, you know, Tabor's obviously good for many reasons. And I think uh, one of those based on, you know, most people aren't going to understand the entire text of Tabor, but if you drill down to two things, we limit up based on population uh, and inflation. And why I think that's really important, by the way, is because government is supposed to serve the people. I think we all know that, but <clears throat> sometimes I think entropy is always, especially in government, always falls towards people who like more control over others. So I think that's why you know, this is why conservative leadership is really important, because if you don't have somebody saying, hold on, wait a minute, you've you've got this natural inclination to slide towards bigger and more government. And as Dennis Prager likes to say, the bigger the government, the smaller the person. And when you look at things uh, in a population plus inflation lens, that's important because if you have more population, obviously you should let government grow to serve that population. Right. If you have inflation, it makes sense that goods and services cost more, right? But anything beyond that, um, you're, you're really growing government at a faster rate sometimes than the private sector can handle. And where does government's money come from? And government bureaucrats don't take risks to, right. to reduce value or goods, right? So there's going to be a natural misunderstanding there between government and the private sector. And most people work for a small business, small businesses. The majority of them have three or less employees. Right. Right. So back to this issue of the 5% built into our county charter that was written in the seventies, very smart, bright people. Obviously they couldn't account for everything that would ever happen, but there's an interesting phrase at the end of uh, the county charter on that particular paragraph, which circumvents, um, any kind of um, uh, play on words, so to speak. So <clears throat> if you exceed the 5%, right, and you can't ask for more 
than an increase from the last year. So they make it very clear how much you can ask for if you're asking for over 5% growth. And the county council has to make a determination if we need that or not. But what's amazing to me watching this presentation on the 16th, which I was never privy to, I was never, I, I was not included in any of these discussions by these three commissioners, that they told um, county council said, well, I know that resolution in front of you that was written by our old finance administrator says it is solely this $78 million, which by the way should have raised some red flags, which I've been raising for a while at this point. That's a lot. Million dollars for a ag building? What kind of building is that exactly? <laughs> I mean, seriously, I, 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 Vegas, which I, is the eye, and it has all of those cool. I, I mean, it's like the Trump Tower and gold faucets. I don't really know gold saddles. <laughs> Who knows, right? So that, that's your kind of first red flag. But it's just solely for a building and solely at this location, which, by the way, happens to be in a flood zone. <laughs> it's been pointed out by some of our contractors, construction experts, and 4-H families, which I thought ironic. Um, so, but the resolution says solely, like this money will only be used for X. And then we had a county commissioner, actually three of them say, um, <clears throat> well, <laughs> Freeman in particular says, and you can hear from the audio, and I passed that audio around pretty wide. I actually had an audio sent to me earlier, not by an audience member, but you hear Freeman say, well, <sighs> that building may or may not get built. Also, you're, you should be your second red flag if you're sitting <laughs> here at the county council. But if it makes you feel better, he goes on later, you can change that resolution to say we can spin on whatever we want. Oh, there you go. Which I get to wonder, just call me crazy and cynical. But that seems yeah. to me, number one, you can't really build a building in a floodplain. Usually, usually they don't let you do that. Number two, my guess would be, call me crazy, that that was a plan all along. I mean, how often do we say we're going to build it for the kids, right? And then the money gets diverted to something else. So this sort of sounds, again, kind of like a bait and switch. We're going to do it for this lovely facility that everyone's for. Only uh-huh. now, when no one's looking, we're going to play a shell game with the with the money cups, and phew, it's going to go to county commissioner salaries or something like that. <laughs> they actually said that salaries. If we don't get this money, which is probably your, I think, seventh or tenth flag at this point. Well, we're going to have to cut salaries, and we're going to have to run deficits, and we're going. I mean, it's just amazing the things rolling out of Commissioner James's mouth about these dire needs and circumstances. Should county council? not approve this resolution that actually literally limits it to this building. So how are we cutting salaries if you're passing a resolution for a 4-H building? Still something is disconnected there, right? right. And I had asked for a session prior to this county council meeting because I was getting no details on how there's how this building is going to be built. Uh, well County Planning Department and Greeley Planning Department, as far as I am aware, uh, I've asked and neither one of them received a work, a bit invitation to work session or even to say, hey, this is how we calculate how much building you can put in this area because every city has a different requirement for that, right? Right. And you know, we actually have a different, uh, we actually have a piece of dirt right across from our admin building, right next to AB5, that could probably handle a building that's $78 million. I mean, you know, <laughs> you want to expand it that fast, right? So, I mean, it, it's, it's we actually have some in water sewer, you know, the whole nine yards already set, ready to go. I, I'm just, anyway, back to the point of, if you were sitting on county council and listening to this, wouldn't your thought be, perhaps we should not vote for this because I'm feeling uncomfortable right now. One member uh, actually did say that, uh, and and but she still voted for it. And I, I'm confused <laughs> about that. But thankfully, I, I think common sense prevailed and three, it did not pass three out of two. 
So I was just part of a, a very disturbing work session. What was it, Tuesday? I think it was yesterday where um, our county attorney was giving the concerns of the county, well, the county chair about he didn't really understand his vote and how they were going to explain it to him so we can make a run at this again. Oh, well, of course. On November 20th. And then time this time I didn't hear anything about an ag building. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But 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 truly, I mean, there's a there's a reason why uh, we have a five percent limit. And honestly, I can see the wisdom now of limiting government because I I still am not confident that they're going to say this and stick to this. Right. Well, right. How does, how does have that in work? Do they, do they have a county manager? We technically don't have a county administrator. We do have somebody who acts in that capacity most of the time. Most and that, that gentleman is pushing to keep those funds because sure. of deficits and this and that and this and that. However, we've got, I think, 165 million reserves. So we need to learn as a county if if our problem is, if that's truly a problem, oil and gas evaluations spike, right? So we have this big giant windfall. Right. And if that's such a problem, right, we need to learn the budget for those things. Right. Well, it's the county council. If it falls the next year, I mean, a, a decrease in the increase should not be an emergency either, right? So, I mean, we, we 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 need to budget like anybody else does when you have variable income. And that's about 60-some percent of our income is oil and gas assessments. So I understand if that industry kind of rises and falls with production. Um, but eventually, oil and gas production will, you know, decrease. And well, here's so my point. we need to, to account for that. What, well, let let me ask you, how, who no. appoints the county council? So they actually run. Um, in races, uh, I think in November. Uh, so I think the rotating cycles, kind of like the county commissioners, there's people who run for at large. Uh, one person runs for each district, like District 3 that I represent. And if for some reason somebody steps out of that role, which has happened pretty recently in that last year, it is a volunteer position, by the way, then they are appointed by the rest, uh, I believe, the council. So, um, so it is it is an interesting form of government that we have that, you know, I've actually appreciated um, right. just, just based on this past vote of three to two and seeing the wisdom of that doesn't make sense to me. And I, I you, should, you should always vote no on something you don't understand or it can't be explained. <laughs> exactly. Well, and one thing back to your original point about why it's important to have conservative leaders, you know, and I, I understand exactly what you're saying about, you know, if your county oil and gas revenues go up and down, so the revenues go up and down. But guess what? My revenues go up and down, right? Chuck and I, our revenue goes up and down. And when our revenue goes down, yeah, way down, I don't say let's build a $78 million egg building. I say yeah. we may have to put that on hold, right? We may have to prioritize our budget. And we may, because again, if they're, if, if, if so, if their money's coming from oil and gas and the oil and gas is down, I would imagine that means income is down for a lot of families in Weld County. And so the solution is not to turn around and say to those families, hey, I know you're all making less money, but we don't want to. So you need to pony over more. I I mean, it goes back to your point. That's why you need conservative leadership who actually works to rail, to reel in big government. Well, well, the the problem is the word conservative has become meaningless. Uh, because liberal Republicans never call themselves liberal Republicans or establishment Republicans. Conservatives has gotten to eventually mean uh, whatever you want it to mean. And therefore you have 
every Republican running on it, although, oh, you know, maybe a half or a third are actually fit that that title of limited government, limited spending, and all that. I mean, you know, Westminster, we've got a, all Republican. We had four elected two years ago, um, and all but Bruce Brown became Speaker. exactly the same as their Democrat ones. And now they're spending out of the gazoo, new courthouse. They, they want water this, treatment they plant. They want everything. And so the, the problem for Republicans is that, you know, everybody runs on the same uh, platform. It's just how many of those actually believe what they're running on. Um, and it sounds like you have a three group there in, in the county commissioners that are typical big spending Republicans who are no different than big spending Democrats. And you sound like you guys are in a minority of two. Um, with when elections is it November? Yeah, and unfortunately, I'm, I'm the only commissioner to vote against um, mill levy or think tax. When you think mill levy, by the way, it's a tax right. on a value. Um, so that's your local government form of a tax. I'm the only one to vote against a tax uh, that was also for the children, by the way, yeah. a, a levy increase in my district in District Three uh, for cradle to grave um, uh, childcare. And it was so bad. I wanted, so other four commissioners vote for it. Um, it's so bad. Boulder County voted it down. Whoa. Well, we Whoa. see how that's going with Polis. Let me ask you this, because I think you come at this, Lori, from a particularly unique um, angle in that. OK, so you ran for Congress. So you're aware of things that are going on on a national level. You served in the state legislature for years also. And so you understand how things work at the state level. And now you're on the Weld County Commission. And to me, really, when you get right down to it, this is where things really start. This is where you can really make, I, I mean, but I'd, I'd like just sort of your perspective on, on that and on how things are handled differently at these various levels. Well, I will say this. I think congressional earmarks are definitely more defined than what happened in this last meeting. Um, at least you have- <laughs> <laughs> you should have some line items there. You don't have any line <laughs> items uh, for this or this next upcoming meeting that that's really what they're trying to do. But but yes, I served in the state legislature for eight years. And I, I just want to say this, you know, being a conservative isn't a one and done. It's not you champion one thing and then say, well, I'm good for the rest of it. I'm, we've had some Republicans that have been pretty good on guns and babies, but voted uh, to tax you to death or take away your uh, individual rights everywhere else. And and let me just say, there's two things we should be doing well as government. Like if you had two jobs, maybe if you only had one job, it's to protect private property, right? Because that's your number one building wealth tool, the number one tool for prosperity. Um, and the second is individual rights, which don't stop at your property. I mean, people have advocated the night watchman state before, which is really just, a, you know, we'll provide enough police to protect your property. So you have to sit there with a gun all the time. Right. But, you know, your individual rights extend beyond that property, which we should also be protecting. Right. So, you know, when it comes to conservatism, it's not just one vote. It's not just one issue. You need to be conservative all the time. So when you look at our Republican Party platform. okay, and I'm just saying um, I, I actually play for the team, which is the Republican Party. I don't know who the rest of these people are playing for, because when we look at the planks of our party, it says, that we we um, we protect private property rights, individual rights. We promote individual responsibility, equal treatment under law, limited government, fiscal fiscal responsibility, etc. Right? If you string all those things together on those planks, right, it resembles something else, which is the law in which everything else hangs, which is treat your neighbor as yourself. 
Think about it. Yeah. Think about it. Right. So, you know, if, if uh, it treats, it also protects the minority from the majority. So the majority say, eh, we want to take your property away. The law well, how many people are running in November? What's that? How many people are running in November? For? County commissioner? Uh, well, at least I have one opponent that's supported by these other three people who voted. Uh, are for there other, are yours, is yours the only seat up? Uh, I believe there's two seats up, uh, myself and Perry Butt. But you're the only one being primaried. I yes, wonder if that's right. a coincidence. I don't think so. Let me ask you this. The cynical reporter me. So I have a couple of questions, a few questions. So let me just ask him in order. So the property they want, where they want to put this new ag building, would they have to buy that from somebody or does the county already own it? No, uh, the county does own three buildings, but they are, uh, I would say, somewhat obsolete. They could be repaired and used for okay. other things, right? But it's county property. But here's my question, though. Is there, just being the suspicious former reporter, um, any connection between the people who were voting for this, $78 million, and I mean, because that's going to involve construction companies. I mean, somebody's going to be making money there, right? I mean, has anybody been able to look into that? Or is that anything you could talk about? Or is that not an issue in this issue. I, I wish it was at least that well defined. I have no idea. They're, they <laughs> they literally gave a CAD drawing to the county council and said, "Give us seventy-eight million dollars for this drawing." <laughs> it, it's good work if you can find it, right? I'm not yeah. sure they would do that. Uh, well, maybe they would if they're cryptocurrency. But anyway, um, so <laughs> it's it, it's just bizarre to me that people who who say or ran on the tenets of being conservative, you can take this one example that's on public audio right. and scratch her head and actually the other thing that disturbed a lot of people and, and several people talked to me about this afterwards and maybe i'm just so i'm in such an abusive relationship here to board of county commissioners i didn't <laughs> even realize it but the, the chair says uh how dare you and you're, you're done or said something to that effect like i couldn't speak anymore because i spoke uh, i didn't sit down next next to them i, I went to the the public podium and said, hold on, slow down here on this, right. on this call. But there's no details. We need to have a work session. Before you make this decision, at least some kind of sunshine, right? That's what I'm asking for because mm-hmm. it doesn't seem right. And then as soon as we got that explanation on uh, it's completely fungible, I said, uh, you should, you know, I, I emailed the county council. I said, you should vote no. The very next day on uh, a radio station up in Greeley, the chairman actually told people that I, they should be ashamed of me. Oh, my gosh. But he didn't explain why. No. <laughs> but, you know, how, you know, and basically later on, how dare I speak against the rest of the board? Well, first of all, we didn't have a meeting about this. So, right. you know, this is, I'm representing my district who does not want more taxes. And it's been very clear, especially after the vote in Proposition HH, people want their money back. They are they are hurting right now. And the other thing, too, is when you look at conservative leadership, I look at the state capital, for example, and there's only one legislator who's proposing the right solution, right? Back to um, they still want to dip into your taxpayer refunds, right. which again, the even, even the Republicans want to. Us, yeah. the, they've just informed us how many times do they need to vote this way or say this? They want their tax refund back. Government just got a forty percent windfall. They don't need to be backfilled. No, do well, not need to be backfilled. The taxpayer needs to be backfilled, if, if anything. That's their money. And even Governor Polis admitted this on this debate. Do you remember him saying this? That, well, let's receive it. It's our money. No. Right. no <laughs> it's our money. 
That's why TABOR is so important. This is why the Weld County Charter is so important. It, it puts the government in the right position that we are the boss. Right. We get well, to have a say in how we're governed and self-governance. Exactly. How, how did Weld County become so yeah. left-leaning? I mean, it's viewed by the state party as the equivalent of, of Denver or worse. <laughs> they are. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, they voted against the opt-out. They, they want... Democrats and, un- and unaffiliated people voting in our elections and choosing them. They 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 are center left, if not left. How did Weld County become? Yeah, well, look at Ken Buck. Go no further than Ken Buck. Yeah, Ken Buck. How did Ken Buck become Ken Buck? And <laughs> of course, Perry Buck is his ex-wife. Yeah, and I I'm just I'm just going to go back to um, we have a lot of folks. I, there's some people. And I'll say this as kindly as I can. I don't recognize who they are anymore. Yeah. And I think it's Abraham Lincoln that said, if you want to test a man's character, something to that effect, give him power. Right. And there's people who have been changed so completely. I can't even identify with the friend that I had even a, a year or so ago. They're so completely changed by the aspect of having more control over people. Yeah. So a lot of that has been really accelerating, especially this January when we had a, a changeover in the board and this attitude towards, um, you know, more about we rule over you versus using the golden rule, treating your neighbor as yourself, which again, back to, I'm here for a, a public service capacity. And that's what's important to me. I mean, your first test is always, can you look yourself in the mirror at night? Right. Yeah. But you better be able to explain to taxpayers why you voted the way you did. And I think right now we need more transparency in local government more than anything. If this has taught me anything, how much power local government has over your lives and how little transparency and sunshine there really is um, for for local governments. In fact, when I ask this question, <laughs> what does a county commissioner do? You, you all know? <laughs> Could you give me a one thing that we do? Spend money. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. I, I guess you could you could do that. But I mean, it, it's I, one lady commit, cleverly said to me, she's like, "Well, you commission." <laughs> but, but essentially, right? I mean, our only job is to vote. That's how we enact policy, and it's supposed to be in a public setting. Right. So when you think about all decisions we make, for the most part, if you're changing ordinance, which is law, we actually we actually are legislative. We are actually uh, judicial and we are the executive branch. Now, wow. Because of land use hearings. Right. So we're not full right. judicial. Right. Wow. But we also make those decisions or are supposed to in public. Right. We're supposed to do that in a public setting in full sunshine and transparency because we can take away people's individual rights and property rights just like that. Right. Right. And that's so important that we do it in that fashion. And I might ask to come back on your show because I've also defeated a proposition to take away private property rights in the past week. And I did testify on plan commission. I received a unanimous uh, support not to go forward with this particular ordinance. So it's, it's so disturbing to me. And in that testimony, I revealed that there is a, unnoticed work session that violated the sunshine law. I will not be part of that. I will not be part of it. And I will call it out for whenever it happens. 
We should not be making decisions like this. All right. And Laura, we're going to have to let you go now, but I just, you know, there are people commenting, God bless you. How can people support your campaign and what you're trying to do? Well, if you go to my website, there's an anodont link, um, but it's saying for weld for numeral four, saying for weld dot com. So that's one way where you can support me. And um, I definitely need all the support I can get because to get this messaging out to people so they know this is what's going on. Right. I need to be able to spend money across platforms like social media, sending out letters, sending out emails, and all that costs money. Right. All right. Well, Lori, thank you. I mean, you, you are Lori. the bravest, most determined a patriot. You know that that I mean, you just keep fighting the fight, and um, and I I don't see you ever losing, you know, and something like this because right is under said. So thank you for coming on the show, and please keep us in the loop. I mean, we hear a lot about stuff in Weld County, um, and that's not good, right? And so thank goodness for somebody like you. So just you know, thank you so much. Okay, I really appreciate that, and I'll I'll keep you know pushing on the right thing, and, and so far I've defeated a lot of things here in the past month, so All that right, would really great. adversely impacted um, our constituents. All right, perfect. Thank you, Lori Sane. Thank you, Lori Sane. So Sane, and that's S A I N E, the number four, Colorado. Thanks, Lori. Um, give oh, some people- support, folks. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, and it, it is, and what she said is so true. It is, you've got local government uh, is has so much power, right? I mean, and it, it gets the least attention. I mean, if you doubt that, just think about COVID, right? Who was shutting us down? It was the local health departments that were shutting everything down, right? And city councils. And you're like, what? Wait, what do you mean? I can't open my store. What do you? I mean, you know, we we did numerous shows on that back then, and they were telling the schools they couldn't open. So it's. I know people are like. Well, you know, don't get too in the weeds with county stuff, but I think it all sort of starts. I mean, you should get in the weeds with county stuff and because it's really how everything gets done. I mean, unfortunately, you know, how, how many decisions at any level of government are made um, before the public, you know? Well, and look what's happening. And I think we're trying to get Kevin Van Winkle on to talk about this Friday. So so the voters voted down Proposition HH, right? Um, and because they convinced everybody to vote down the Gallagher Amendment, before without and, and promising us, oh, we'll take care of property taxes and then ignoring that, right? Because they wanted to go after Tabor. So now property taxes are going to go up in some places like 40%. And so they got to fix that. And both Democrats and some Republicans are trying to do another end round and be able to keep the money. So we'll talk about that later, but it looks like we have our live reporter at the Live scene. for the international crew. <laughs> That's right. Jody. Hey, Jody, are, are you there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> so Jody is down in Denver District Court, um, where Judge Sarah Wallace is hearing closing arguments on the um, the lawsuit brought by traitor Republicans to try to keep Trump off the ballot. Now, now there was going to be a rally there. And Jody, I know you don't know about that because you're actually inside the courtroom. Um, but can you just sort of tell me, is, is it full? Is it packed? What's it kind of like inside the courtroom there? Well, there are quite a few people here. Um, I'd say two-thirds of it full, not totally where we're crowding each other, but it is a full. Um, and we have both sides, um, Janet Griswold's side, the plaintiff, or, uh, plaintiff side has several um, uh, people there in their support. Um, they also have the G- uh, Denver uh, GOP. Dave Williams was here and uh, their support oh. on the Trump side. 
So basically, um, some of them are going to be able to speak. Right now, it's just the plaintiff side, and it yeah. just astounds me that they're able to bring up all this insurrection um, as evidence when even the Washington, in Washington, they haven't, you know, the committees haven't even decided about all this, and he hasn't been guilty of any insurrection. So, and he hasn't even actually been accused of. Right. He hasn't even been yeah. accused of insurrection when you get right down to it. Well, let me ask you just because I know, you know, to drive down to Denver to try to find parking around the city and county building at the courthouse there is can be a, a pain. Why did you go on down there? Oh, I, I'm passionate about finding the process of how these things um, are actually the mechanics behind them all. Um, I am very interested in how this case can ever really even go forward. I wanted to see the process of how you can take somebody off the ballot. And I'm even watching these other cases that are in um, Michigan, as we recently found out that information. So it's just curiosity and my personal interest of standing up for our country, our rights, and um, the things that we should be involved in. Right. Well, I know Dave Williams has said one of the reasons that he had this the Colorado Republican Party join is he said, you know, if you don't want to vote for Donald Trump, don't vote for Donald Trump. But by refute by taking by a judge, a Denver Democrat judge who donated to the, you know, January 6th, you know, fighting those people cause. Right. Um, right. To have her decide, he said, that's just wrong. I mean, would you agree with that? Totally. Totally. I think there is biasness. I, I hope there isn't. I hope that he can actually see how the other states are handling this and how she is, you know, can't really, what evidence is she going to have? I really, define her hearing, her actual, um, is it Friday? She actually comes out with her decision, but all the evidence is being heard today. So I just wanted to see all this evidence that they okay. say they have. And I think it's important that we can become part of the process. And do you know, it's my understanding that it's it wraps up today and then she'll make her decision later. Do you have any information on that? All I heard that the decision is going to be made on Friday. Oh, wow. Which means she's already written it. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, well, actually, no, no I'm kidding. I mean, they literally say, well, we have an idea. Are we live? Are we live saying this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We are. I mean, the, the problem you have is you have a judge who is, you know, for all her being new as a big ego and is is playing this up as big as she can. She said for a week and then she said for final arguments today and then her big decision, all of which does not sound good because she can become a hero to the left by yeah. saying Trump is not on the ballot. So you you you've got an egotistical human being on the on the bench who wants to make this or or big moment and the way you make it a big moment is rule for the Democrats, which I'm afraid she's likely to do. Well, I'd like to say that really, if she was very smart and really looking at the whole picture of this, just like the other judges did in the other states, if she looks at what the other states are doing and what leg does she have to stand on, then she has to look at the fact that if she does side with the Democrats, then she knows she's going to appellate court. You know, you know that's going to happen. You have to understand she doesn't yeah. care. She just wants to be the hero. Hey, well, she listen, gets, Joe. She gets her, her 30 Thank seconds you so of fame. Much. Yeah, I want to let I'm you be go in to listen to more. Down there, not to talk on to the Chuck and Julie show, but to listen to what's going on in the courtroom. So Thank then, you so kindly. I appreciate it. 
Thank no, you. Pre- we appreciate, appreciate you too. Thank you so much. Thanks for all our other people <laughs> there covering everything. We appreciate right. It. Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. You know, and I hope so. So just for folks haven't kept up. So over the weekend, so we've had judges now in Minnesota, Michigan and New Hampshire with basically the exact same lawsuit. Right, Chuck? Say, no, you know, we don't Mm -hmm. have the right to say somebody has to can be can be taken off the presidential ballot for a variety of different reasons. But um, yeah, you would think that somehow she would be like, well, maybe I'm the only judge. I'm a Dunder, you know, in the history of the universe, it's actually understood the Constitution. All those other judges are wrong. But I, I fear that you could be right about this. Yeah, so much is based on ego and human hubris. Well, and she doesn't care if, she, if she's overturned. Well, first of all, she'd be overturned by the Colorado Court of Appeals, or would it go to federal court, or what would the path first be? Up, first up, maybe, you know, because it's a constitutional question, or maybe it's not a constitutional question. But it'll go up to the Colorado Supreme Court, and from there on to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the Colorado Supreme Court's going to uphold her, because they're all Democrats, too. And you're yeah. right, she would rather be a Democrat hero, right, mm-hmm. than, than have all of her, you know, her EV-driving neighbors say, my God, you know, you didn't take Trump off the ballot. So I, I think this one... Um, that would be my guess that she's going to do. But um, wanted to lead in from that to some of the other. I mean, Trump has a bazillion cases. He's in court in New York right now. And as we've talked before, none of it really matters. But interestingly, and I'm not sure what's going on with this. Um, so some videotape um, in, in the Georgia case where there have all of these people charged. Um, and Jacob, I see you. Hang on a second. Um, all of these people charged and they're like rolling over um, Jenna Ellis, Sidney Powell, both of those really, to be honest, sort of shocked and disappointed me. Um, and initially people were saying, well, they're not going to say anything really bad about Trump. Right. But one of the other defendants lawyers, and I'm not sure why he would do that, but leaked the video to ABC and the video of what her deposition, her deposition, right. The deposition. And if you thought, Jenna Ellis was a weasel before, which I did for taking the plea bargain and for then turning around and supporting Ron DeSantis. Wait till you hear and just look at and listen to her demeanor. This is what I, I mean, I, I, I actually can't understand how this could even be brought in because it's all hearsay. Right. I would think. But anyway, if we could play the Jenna Ellis soundbite, this is the video that was leaked. This is what Jenna Ellis was saying to the prosecutors in Georgia that she would testify about with Donald Trump. If we could please play the Jenna Ellis soundbite. They told prosecutors in exchange for their plea deals, attorney Jenna Ellis saying that she was told Donald Trump, the boss, as they called him, would not leave the White House under any circumstances. Trump's lawyers responding tonight. And here's ABC senior investigative reporter Aaron Katursky. Tonight, ABC News has obtained excerpts of confidential videotape interviews of two alleged co-conspirators charged along with former President Trump in Georgia. The two attorneys in these videos have now turned and are cooperating with authorities. Sidney Powell, who once claimed that dead Hugo Chavez was one of the reasons behind Trump's loss, and Jenna Ellis cut plea deals on reduced charges in exchange for their cooperation, giving interviews to prosecutors. We're here with improperly missed Jenna Ellis. Ellis, who falsely claimed ballots were manipulated, recounting a time at the 2020 White House Christmas party when she said Trump aide Dan Scavino told her Trump planned to simply refuse to leave the White House. He said um, to me in a kind of excited tone, well, we don't care and we're not going to leave. Ellis said she asked him, what do you mean? He said the boss uh, is not going to leave under any circumstances. We are just going to stay in power. And I said to him, well, it doesn't quite work that way, you realize. And he said, we don't care. 
Scavino did not respond to requests for a comment, and an attorney for Trump called the purported conversation meaningless, since he did ultimately leave the White House. I mean, what a weasel, Jenna Ellis, don't you think? I mean, did you watch her demeanor well, there? you know, we've known Jenna Ellis, because she wow. worked as, as kind of part-time over at 710 KNUS, and, and she was, you know, a, a very dumb individual. Although I must admit, she's looking a lot better since she had all the work done. But, you know, who, who, who cares that Dan Scavino at some stupid luncheon says we're not going to leave? That's irrelevant. I mean, right. it be more irrelevant if, if humanly possible. Um, and if you're her, you would think, I mean, OK, so uh, number one, uh, why she took a plea deal, knowing that they're going to use it against Trump. I mean, she wouldn't be where she is if it wasn't for Trump. She would still be. You know, at seven ten can you ten can can you ask right? They're probably fired by now because they're letting all other hosts go, right? And so, 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 I mean, talk about poor Donald Trump disloyal. But it was just her demeanor in that, and it's because I mean, she's a lawyer; she should know. I mean, I would think that Scavino making a comment to her at a at a dinner party or a Christmas party would that not be hearsay? Double hearsay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, so she's reporting what Scavino is reporting that Donald Trump said. Right. It has a sound of the person who said Donald Trump lunged across the the Secret Service car to try to grab the wheel and go back. I mean, it, it just even Donald Trump knows that you're not he's going to have to leave. Right. I mean, and, 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 anyway, that was just disgusting to me. Her thing. And I, I know, Jacob, you've been very patient. So go ahead and, and unmute yourself. And what do you want to weigh okay. in on here? Let's 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 play back a couple of things in George. First of all, this is all Fannie Willis with uh, with right. uh, Danielle. OK, last week. You had those two uh, defense attorneys resign because they couldn't find the 300,000 ballots. Yeah. Now they found the 300,000 ballots. But within that case, you have Rasberger. He's going to be testifying. And they say that he's going to be testifying. Yes, there were mistakes that made. Now, what, what the problem with that is, is that uh, this other guy, the um, U.S. attorney, um, mm-hmm. Jack Smith, he right. needs Rasberger to testify against Trump. So if this guy goes first to the Georgia case and and testifies again uh, for Trump, he ain't going to look too good for Jack Smith. Right. That's what that's what this is all about. I don't think I don't think. uh, First of all, Jenna Ellis heard from somebody who heard it from Trump, supposedly. Right. Why don't you get that guy on the on the on the stand? Why are you bothering with Jenna Ellis? You got to get that guy. And then he might say, well, maybe I was overstating it. But I want to go back to the uh, Tabor Amendment. Sure. You know, Tabor, Tabor was written in 1990. Along with that was Amendment 1. I don't know if you remember that. That was the anti-gay amendment that got shot down in, in the federal court. In the Okay. It, it was it. But 1990 was the, the, last, the last third of a terrible recession in Colorado. Okay. I don't know if you, I don't know if you were here or if you yeah. remember this. I was. But, I remember eight, it. Eighty-seven yeah. was a bad, bad year. I mean, if it wasn't for the airport, they say Denver would have died on the vine. Okay, we're we're starting into another recession now. I think if somebody could, if they could find somebody to rewrite, not rewrite, but update Tabor to include no fees unless there's a vote, and yeah. and and all this other stuff, and let people that mistakenly debruce itself, like the city and county of Denver. You know, let them re- repeal the old Tabor and create a new Tabor and let it all start over from the beginning and then have the votes to see if they want to um, if they want to repeal it down the road. Yeah, well, I think, you know, 
That would be a tricky campaign because who knows? But I think you're right, though, in terms of all we've seen since it went into effect are various and ongoing, never ending attempts to go around it by Democrats as well as Republicans. Um, Republicans, yeah. Liberal Republicans hate it. I remember the former speaker of the House, um, who was a Republican at the time, said they Mm -hmm. didn't pay any attention. And all of a sudden this thing came in and restricted their power. Right. Yeah. 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 But it's, right. it's 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 easier to rewrite the law when people are suffering like they are now because That's this is point. only this is only going to get worse. So if somebody and you have you have till next summer to get it on the ballot. So. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And there are various things. There. Okay, Jacob, thank you. Bye. Good, good information Bye-bye. there. Good information there. Well, and going back on, you know, sort of kind of following along all the people you can't trust. Um, it, it's kind of funny. Ken Buck has become such a rhino. Even other rhinos can't stand him. Colorado Peak Politics, which is a an establishment um, Republican website, right, um, has been sort of pro Ken Buck all along. Even they had a funny thing where they were, when they when he went on CNN to talk about not he wanted like what eight Republicans who voted that there wasn't enough evidence to impeach Mayorkas, right? Right. Um, and even Colorado Peak Politics, their headline was in this week's episode of What the Hell is Ken Buck thinking? They <laughs> criticize him for this, and you got to say, What the hell is he thinking? He tried to explain it um, to CNN. So if we could please play the Buck on Mayorkas soundbite. I very much appreciate your time. Why did you vote with Democrats on this one? Because uh, Secretary Mayorkas has not committed an impeachable offense. Um, I disagree strongly with how he's handling the border. I think the border is porous. I think it's a a threat to this country. Um, But it's not a high crime or misdemeanor. It's not treason. It's not uh, bribery. It's not the the, uh, crimes, the the issues that our founders set forth in the Constitution. And it's wrong. We're, We're using impeachment in the last five, six years um, you know, in, in, in a way that's just inappropriate and, and it demeans uh, really the integrity of the House. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Ken. What do you make of that, Chuck? <laughs> you know, he's a fool. I mean, yeah. I mean, how can you explain it that allowing five million people to pour eight million people to pour across our border isn't an impeachable offense? I mean, it's absolutely. I mean, what else is? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he he's here to to guard our borders, and he's not doing it. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's just foolish. I mean, you know, Mayorkas is fine, Biden is fun, fine. The, the little is people bad. who were January sixth—they're the Those worst are bad. in the world. Um, and I don't know. He, how does he look to you? He, he just looks like somebody's lost their mind. I mean, well, or, or that he, they've got like hostages someplace, right? That they're showing him a picture of his whole family or pet or somebody's being held hostage and he's being forced to say these things. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know what's what's going on with him. But one other soundbite we wanted to play, Chuck, this is your favorite one. I'm um, Senator Mullen, a Republican from Oklahoma, at a hearing with the uh, Teamsters boss, Sean O'Brien, started reading out mean tweets that Sean O'Brien was saying about him. And this it kind of looks like they do this all the time in like European countries and Taiwan and places like that where it gets a little feisty. Not, not European countries, Taiwan. Taiwan. Okay. Well, sometimes you see stuff from Europe and and you know, oh, great. No, they, they're not. They're not. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Taiwan. But we're, but it, they're getting a little feisty there. Serbia, we, maybe. Maybe Serbia. Yeah. Serbian. Yeah. If we could please play se- the Senator Mullen. This was what happened at the hearing. This is kind of wacky. Like he's self-made. 
Sir, I wish you was in the truck with me when I was building my plumbing company. Myself and my wife was running the office because I sure remember working pretty hard and long hours. Pretends like he's self-made. What a clown. Fraud. Always has been. Always will be. Quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me. Any place, any time, cowboy. Sir, this is a time, this is a place. If you want to run your mouth, we can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, hold it. Oh, hold, stop it. Is that your solution of your poll? No, no, sit down. Sit down. Okay. You know, you're a United States senator. Sit down. Active. Oh, okay. okay. Sit down, please. All right. Can I respond? Hold Jim. it. Hold it. If hold we can't, no, I have the mic. I'm sorry. This is hold what it. he said. You'll have your time. Okay. Can I respond? Oh, no, you can't. <laughs> this is a hearing. It's like a little feistiness there going on. <laughs> well, you have to understand, you know, politics and democracy is a feminine art. It's an art of kind of deception. It's an art of of kind of two facing it and yeah, hey, right. <laughs> yeah, all of the, it's a feminine art, and that's why people like Trent Lott. Well, Trent Lott wasn't on the University of Mississippi football team. He was a male cheerleader on the University of. So it's very seldom you get hyper masculine guys in 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 politics. You know, Trump is an exception to that. Andrew Jackson is an exception, but by and large, um, they're not. Um, and so that's hilarious. I mean, what 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 was Larry Liston doing? Larry Liston would have been a part of the of of this one. I mean, this guy would have chest bumped and he would start crying. I mean, I love it. I mean, he's a new you know senator. I hadn't really heard of him before, and <laughs> now you know he's he's a big Trump guy. And, and you I think tell. Bernie Sanders should have let it go. It's like, well, can you imagine? They said all right, and then they cleared those tables away. <laughs> Everybody kind of gathered around to see this. This and they could take bets. The head of the Teamsters, who likes to see himself as a mob figure, and this guy, <laughs> and this guy was a former MMA fighter, right? Um, and so it would have been the best fight ever. <laughs> In fact, they still ought to hold it in the octagon. I'd pay for that one. It'd be just. <laughs> It would they could be a great one. Do that instead of raise, ta- raise taxes. And they should have. I mean, they were both bigger than Bernie Sanders, right? They should have not yeah, been no, any Yeah, than Bernie Sanders. They should have slapped him away, cleared the <laughs> tables away, and, and everybody could have been, I bet on the mob guy. You know, I bet on the MMA guy. <laughs> I mean, that would have been the best politics all year <laughs> or a century. Um, I mean, that was wonderful. Uh, hey, that listen, that, that is going to do it for us on Friday. Oh, gonna... We can't, we can't leave on that wonderful note. Oh, my gosh. That was so great. We ought to have everybody kind of replying. Would you want to see the fight? I mean, raise your hand. <laughs> we can play it again on Friday. We can play All it right, again we'll play Friday. It again on Friday. Um, we're going to have on Friday. Earlier, we had somebody who was supporting the Convention of States. And on Friday, we're going to have somebody from the John Birch Society. They're opposed to it. Um, so people and can then make we're a- trying to set up an MMA fight between those guys. For a future program. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Mino, I want to thank Lori Sane, thank Jody for being our live reporter. Thomas yep. and all you great guys on Zoom, we appreciate you so much. Remember, you can catch all of our shows at chuckandjulie.com. We're awesome on Rumble, Podbean, even Alexa, you name it, we're, we're on it. And we're going um, on MMA uh, for political <laughs> figures. You want yeah. us to get in fights. All right. Hey, everybody. All right, everybody. Take care. Have a, have a great Wednesday. We'll be back on Friday. Friday.